Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge, on Yahoo Sports Radio. Well, the Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing your computer down. That's MyCleanPC.com. Welcome back to hour number two of the Talk of Fame Network. Coming up in this hour, we're going to have former coach Mike Shanahan, as well as our monthly residential debates with Talk of Fame residents Rick Goslin and Ron Borges. But last Saturday would have been the 83rd birthday of John Unitas, Hall of Fame quarterback for the Baltimore Colts. And we mentioned it on this program. But mentioning Unitas, I don't think, and I know Rick and Ron don't think is enough, not at least not for us. We want to remember him. Uh, and, and, and remember him the best way. And to do that, we have John Zeman, who's president of Baltimore's Marching Ravens, which were once the Baltimore Colts marching band. And you should have heard of them because they were featured on ESPN's wonderful 30 for 30 documentary, The Band That Wouldn't Die. And there they are in the background with a Colts marching song. That's a great that, that's a great fight song. Anyway, that film directed and produced by Academy Award winning director Barry Levinson of Diner fame tells the story of a band and the people who wouldn't let Baltimore give up in the NFL even though the NFL gave up on Baltimore. Uh, John, who joined the band in 62 and helped keep it together after the Colts left for Indianapolis in 84. I was governing the team then. Ron had just left Baltimore then. He's prominently featured in that film along with others who kept the Colts and their fight song alive. Alive until the Models arrived and turned the Colts marching band into Baltimore's marching Ravens. Anyway, John knew Johnny Yu for decades. And he's been kind enough to join us. John, you're on with Clark, Rick, and Ron. And first question, anyone who watches the band that wouldn't die knows how strong the bond between the Colts and Johnny Yu was with the city. As I said, I lived there. Ron lived there. We covered sports there. It's been 32 years since the Colts left. Is there a bond still there today? Oh, absolutely. You know, our tradition now, we have two statues out in front of M&T Bank Stadium. One is of John Unitas, the other is of the great Ray Lewis. And when you come down there, what they do, the fans come in and they touch John's high top and they rub it for good luck. It's almost rubbed down. They may have to get a new statue. But like I said, it's almost like you can see all the way through the bronze. And then with Ray, they come over and like grab his leg. This is our tradition. This is our history. We'll never forget the Baltimore Colts. Through the benevolence of Mr. Bashad, the owner, they are all and all the Hall of Famers of the Baltimore Colts in a ring of honor around the stadium. They're our team, and we have generations of generations of people teaching their children the love we had for the Baltimore Colts. You've got to realize, 1953, Baltimore is just a little, what I call, grizzly little town, industrial town between D.C. and New York. And everybody made fun of us. And then this team in Dallas, Dallas, Texas, nobody wanted. We already lost one franchise of the Baltimore Colts. And for two years, 51, 52, we didn't have a team in Baltimore. The band stayed together there also. But this team in Dallas, nobody wanted the Texans. So they came to Baltimore. It was love at first sight. Both the team and both the city had chips on their shoulder. And five years later, with the love of the team and the love of our fans, we were in the 58 championship game, and we turned professional football history around. John, Clark mentioned that you've knew Unitas for a long time. What's your favorite yes, Unitas story? 45 years. All right, I'm going to tell Unitas stories off, uh, like I said, basically out of the football realm, you know, as a friend. John was the type of person, and you didn't realize this, but he was, he was a tease. I mean, if he knew something got you, he threw assault in the wound, just, you know, bugging you, just bugging you, you know, and just, just laughing about it. I, was, I worked at the time down the Bay Ruth Birthplace Museum, and uh, I get a call one day, and uh, I knew it was him. 
And he says, Zeman, what are you doing? I said, I'm talking to the greatest quarterback in the world. Mr. Montana, I've admired you for years. Well, I can tell you right now, okay? I, I can't tell you what he said back to me because I'd probably, FCC would take your license away. But, you know, they might anyway. let me have it. Oh, yeah, so after he finished letting them have it, you know, um, you know, he, like I said, you know, he said, okay, you're going to lunch with me today and you're paying. But, you know, what you saw on the field was, John, what you got off the field, very unassuming, you know. And if you say, John, you're the greatest quarterback in the world, he goes, no. My team's the greatest team in the world. That was John. It was never me, 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 me. It was John Unitas who cared about his team and he loved his fans. There's two things that John, two things that kept John's heart. One was the fans of Baltimore. He loved his fans. Two, of course, his family. He adored his family. He had uh, eight children and he adored his family. And also he had a love also for children. He loved children. He always had time for children. And last thing was Liam those animals. You know, he always had a menagerie of pets. You know, he had a bulldog named Bruce, uh, St. Bernard named Maggie. And that was John Unitas. He always had time for his fans. A lot of the players nowadays in pro sports don't have that. John did. You know better than most of us about the Colts Corral. You know, the, the, I think they ended up nearly 30 right. of them. By the time they were done, the thing that always struck me was there was one in the, Mar- in the Maryland State Penitentiary, which uh, <laughs> speaks to, to the... How many fans you had there? 954. 954. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and they're still there. Wow. And now it's the Ravens' nest, on the Ravens' roost, and the Ravens' nest, that they split, and there's two different organizations. And they stayed together also, but you had the Ravens' rest, or nest and the Ravens' roost. It's funny, uh, when the uh, Colts used to go and play baseball with the inmates in the yard, and mm-hmm. every time the ball would go to the fence, all the inmates would scream, we'll get it, we'll take care of it. We'll get it. <laughs> 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 and, uh, I mean, that, that, can you see any of the pro players now getting out there and playing baseball with inmates? You know, Well, I can see some of the pro not. players today as inmates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, you got that right. Uh, and that's why it was 954. It wasn't Corral 1, 2, 3, 4. It was 954 because that was the address, 954 North Huffman Street in Baltimore. And uh, i tell you one thing, it did a lot of good for people that were, you know, on the men coming out. It made them feel like somebody. We're speaking with John Zeman, who's president of Baltimore's Marching Ravens, formerly the Colts Marching Band. So remember John Unitas. And, and John, uh, quick question for you. How much did it hurt not only to lose the team in 84, but to lose the name and the history? First of all, as you know, who don't know the story, uh, in the middle of the night they moved. Think of your, Think of your baseball team. Think of your football team, and you wake up tomorrow, and they're gone. Snap of a finger, they're gone. It hurt. We didn't deserve this. And that's why in that movie, Barry Levinson had missions to prove that, one, Ursay was wrong. Two, Ursay was a drunk. Three, Baltimore was not to blame. Four, Baltimore needed a team back here. They deserved a team back here. And five, at the end of the movie, he says, I'm going to have you crying. I don't care what you are, a football fan or baseball fan or not a fan. We're going to cry at the end of the movie. And he accomplished every single one of them. Uh, like I said in the movie, you know, the commerce in Baltimore the next day, um, March 29th, 1984, continued on. Nobody died. But a piece of us was missing. A piece of our community was missing. And pride. And that's we were determined to get a team back here. You know, it's funny. I've talked to people in uh, St. Louis about losing the Rams. And they're not, I hate to say it, I don't think they're that upset about it the way we were in Baltimore. You know, and they're not going to fight to get a team back. Uh, you know, us, we hung on like carriers. We would not let go. 
There's no way, even after expansion, we lost expansion, we were going to get a team back in Baltimore, and we did. And that's the reasons why we, we love professional football in Baltimore. And now it's one of the most productive teams under Steve Rashadi in the National Football League. Hey, Johnny, if John Elway had played in Baltimore, would the Colts have ever left? I have to agree with my dear friend Ernie Acorsi. I feel when they grabbed Elway, the season tickets started to go up. People started buying season tickets. I feel very strong. We had a chance. We had a chance to keep that team in Baltimore. But with Elway leaving and what he did, what I knew was all over. If we all kept Ernie Acorsi as general manager, who I deeply, deeply respect, John Elway playing the Baltimore Colts, and Mr. Ursay kept his mouth shut and let Ernie Acorsi run the team, the Baltimore Colts will be in existence today. I feel very strong about that. How much satisfaction do you get from b- keeping the band together, uh, you know, even in those years when there was nothing to play for but uh, the moon rising, uh, when you had no team? How much satisfaction do you take from that, being able to keep it together? Well, like I said, being uh, 69 years old, I look back and said, what the heck did I do? <laughs> I could never do that again. <laughs> My God, you know. Um, and But, you know, now... With the Marching Ravens, where, like I said, uh, as they said in the National Football League Hall of Fame, that we're the most historic bands in the National Musical Unit, the National Football League. On Sundays, when I see our band on the field, I see our, our fans cheering the band, and I look around, and I see the Ravens score touchdowns. I said, yeah, it was worth it. That That's my reward. You don't have to give me anything. That is my reward, to see this younger generation come out there and enjoy Baltimore professional football. And also, as far as I'm concerned, uh, not being prejudiced, we got the best owner in the National Football League in Steve Rashadi. And we had him with Art Modell also. So we were blessed. Hey, John, you know what? This was worth it. Thanks so much for the time. And most of all, thanks for the memories. It's my pleasure. And uh, anybody need to contact me, it's marchingravens at hotmail.com. Marchingravens, one word, at hotmail.com. It's been an honor and a pleasure, and thank you. Thanks, John. We'll look for it at those Ravens games, John. I'll be there. (laughs) That was John Zeman, president of Baltimore's Marching Ravens. Up next, a residential debate. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. 